The year was 1780. The American Revolution was at a tipping point, and it truly seemed as if the war between the British and their former colony could go either way. George Washington and his Continental Army were busy fighting the English on multiple fronts and were blissfully unaware that one of America's own generals, who had been hailed as a hero, was actively working to betray the American cause and hand victory to the British. Now, if you're listening in America or England, you're probably aware that his plan failed and America gained its independence. But you probably don't know why this man decided to betray his cause and just how close he came to destroying all hopes of American freedom. It's a great story, and we can't wait to tell it. So why don't you just go ahead, grab a drink, settle in, and enjoy this episode of 100 Proof History titled Benedict Arnold. More like bitchy dick Arnold. Am I right? (laughs) This is 100 Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Okay, well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Um... Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to our podcast. I'm sure you're not actually listening on Thanksgiving. Maybe you are. Maybe you're driving to the parents. I know that right about now, I'm eating some smoked turkey, and I'm loving it. Chris, what are you doing? I'm going to expose my dick to a bunch of children. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Oh, like after the Thanksgiving dinner? Or... No, it's it's a tradition. It's an annual tradition started by my grandpa, who uh, okay was hanged wow. by an angry mob. But <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude! Well, no, Greg, you know that was a drop played by our somewhat esteemed invalid producer Wolf Dick, who has it out for me the last few episodes. He's this motherfucker, he really does. he's after me. I don't know what I did to him. I'm sorry for my indiscretions, Wolf Dick. Oh, but yes, thank you guys for listening on Thanksgiving. I hope you are listening to on the way to your family's house, because you're going to get there and you have the, the drunk uncle. who's going to be like just talking about the election and how the red wave didn't happen and all the you know bullshit and recounts and stuff. And you can just be like, hey, that... Uh, uh, Benedict Arnold, right? You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he, he was he was pretty uh, cool. Maybe I don't know. Let's talk about that instead of you know your blatant racism, sir. Let's please change the subject to literally anything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, speaking of Benedict Arnold, our source, uh, why don't you tell the people about the book we read in preparation for this fine, fine Thanksgiving podcast episode? All right, we read Turncoat, Benedict Arnold and the Crisis of American Liberty by Stephen Brumwell. Thought it was a it was a book, you know. That's about my that's my review. This is a book, in fact. It was okay. It's very, it's kind of laborious a little bit, you know. It's kind of a little like, lengthy. Yeah, it it is for for basically the info it's giving. Yeah, and there are some details in there that we're not going to get into, obviously, like we every episode. Uh, that do enlighten you a little bit more about just kind of how bitchy and shitty Benedict Arnold was, which I don't know about you, man, but like growing up, 
and you just heard the Benedict Arnold try to betray America or whatever, and you're like, oh, boo, he's a villain. And you get a little older, and someone starts adding nuance. It's like, well, he was actually a very skilled general, and you know, maybe he had his reasons for not wanting to be passed over and wanting to turn over the country to the British. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, well, maybe he has... And then you read the but story. But then you like, get older, older. <laughs> yeah, you get even older, and you actually read the story or maybe listen to an exciting Thanksgiving podcast, and you're like, no, nah, this dude sucks. This dude's kind of a piece of shit all around. So I, I'm excited to tell the people about that. You know, one thing that I did not realize going into the story was that Benedict Arnold actually was like controlling ships mm-hmm. in this in this whole endeavor. And I didn't realize that. It, it got me thinking. And more so it got Wolf Dick thinking like, what is Chris's favorite water-dwelling animal? I told Wolf Dick, I was like, no, dude, I already have the answer. It's right here. This is a country for white minities. <laughs> so. Oh, I regret everything I've ever done for this podcast. All the blood I have spilled. All the semen I have wasted. Just. Whoa, God. <laughs> oh, I wish I could quit, but as you know, we're contractually bound to be here so yes 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 but a bonus is we have some very incredible patreon listeners we got some new ones recently we'd like to thank them for joining very thankful for that and want to let everybody know that we do have more bonus mini episodes coming down the pipe for you guys on patreon just three dollars a month check it out all right man you ready to tell this this wild tale of a certain dickhead benedict arnold You know what? I think I was born to do this. Let's fucking do it. Okay. Go! Eggs Benedict Arnold was born in Newport, Rhode Island on January 14th, 1741. He was born into a family that had immigrated to America in 1636, and they had made a good deal of money making barrels and trading said barrels for slave-produced rum and molasses. But dear old daddy Benedict saw a downturn in business and presumably realized he could mix that rum with Coca-Cola and a little lime to make a Cubra Libre because he became a raging drunk. Well, as a result, Mommy Benedict had to take over running the family. She was able to send Benedict Jr. to school for a bit where he was noted as being a good student that was fond of playing pranks. When he was 14, however, the money ran out completely and Benedict had to drop out of school and become an apprentice in an apothecary shop, which is uh, where I buy all my drugs now, the local apothecary. Yeah? Yeah, you go in there, and he's got all this shit hanging just off the walls, like St. John's Wort and, you know, Deadly Nightshade, and he's got the, the mortar and pestle going. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, what would you like? And I'm like, oh, I need a six-pack of condoms. And he's like, okay, well, let me go slaughter some sheep real quick, <laughs> rip out their intestines. <laughs> That's how you see apothecaries, like video games. Yeah, I don't, I've obviously never been to an apothecary. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) They still exist and they're not like Skyrim. (laughs) No. Are they just moms selling essential oils on Facebook? Yes, basically. Basically. (laughs) By the time he was 21, Arnold had completed his apprenticeship and soon became an accomplished apothecary himself. Shortly thereafter, he sold his pharmacy and followed in his father's footsteps by purchasing a ship and trading goods between Canada and the Caribbean. And maybe a few people. You know, just 
You guys want some maple syrup? Well, it's going to cost you at least two strong men that I can send back to Canada. Don't worry, an Inuit girl will be coming back down in exchange. <laughs> They're all less than us, because, um, let me throw my voice. They're not white! There we go. Now, nah, use that wolf dick. Oh, you're, you're preventing him from... Gotcha. <laughs> yes. I, I, okay, okay. I am playing the character of Benedict Arnold, selling humans, but having to throw my voice so that wolf dick doesn't punish me further. Just cause He's I ruined ate, this podcast. I ate all of his fucking animal crackers. Okay. Benedict was described as being, quote, something below the middle height, well-formed, muscular, and capable of great endurance, end quote. He was also noted as being an accomplished and graceful ice skater. Now, considering the average height back then was five foot five, and they just said he was something below the middle height, we can reasonably deduct that Benedict Arnold was a tiny ice dancer. Like, you know, short and muscular, kind of like Pitbull, and there was actually um, a local judge that called him a tiny ice dancer, and you know what his response was? What was that? You son of a bitch! You piece of shit! You fucking goddamn fucker! Listen, fuckhead! You have fucking crossed the line! Get that through your goddamn fucking head! Stop pushing your shit! He's pissed. I like that he he brought a musical company with him while he went uh-huh. to speak to that judge. He's like, hey, guy, bring your amp and your guitar. Let's get this fucking going. <laughs> you, bring that mandolin. Yeah. <laughs> well, Arnold definitely was an angry little man who was somewhat obsessed with his public perception and his personal sense of honor. And now that you've played that, I'm just going to picture... Oh, fucking Alex Jones, every time I think of Benedict Arnold, just (laughs) red and sweaty. Well, squatty fellow. (laughs) I'm a human, and I'm (laughs) cool. On one occasion, an English merchant was pissed that Arnold had not come aboard his ship for dinner, and he called Benedict a damned Yankee who lacked manners. In response, Arnold challenged the merchant to a duel and shot him. On another occasion, one of Arnold's employees accused him of being a smuggler and a cheapskate. Benedict told the man to get the fuck out of town, and when the man refused, Arnold hired a group of sailors to tie the man to a post so Benny could give him 40 lashes with a whip. Just a shirtless Alex Jones and a cat of nine tails screaming at him, talking about how Sandy Hook was fake. Just watch out! It's a lot. In 1767, Arnold married Margaret Mansfield and spent the next few years getting her all sorts of pregnant. She would give birth to three sons, but Benedict spent most of his time on a ship, bouncing around islands, selling stuff, and banging prostitutes. Rumors were spread around his hometown that he had contracted syphilis, which does seem unlikely since he wouldn't ever actually show symptoms. But Arnold tried and failed to sue people for spreading the rumor, and then refused to pay his lawyer. Screaming at you. Ah, I'm suing you. I'm suing that guy who said it too. I'm suing that guy. I'm suing the prostitute who gave me syphilis. Fuck, I shouldn't have said that. I'm suing my lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) He soon became known as a man who refused to pay his debts. One merchant would say that Arnold cheated every man with whom he had dealings. And even when he was court ordered to pay debts to his English creditors, he'd wait for inflation to devalue colonial currency and attempt to pay less 
than he actually owed. But God help him if someone owed him money, because Benedict was relentless in badgering them to pay their debts and considered it dishonorable not to pay him. A bit of irony there. Don't want to pay my debts, want you to pay your debts. Hmm. A bit of a double standard. Yeah, seems like uh, some hypocrisy brewing. Just like when a lady masturbates, it's beautiful, but when I do it, I look like Gollum. It's not fair. <laughs> Looking over my shoulder. <laughs> I mean, the laugh doesn't help, I'll admit it. I'll, I'll let you guys have that one, but still. Definitely a double standard. When I look in the mirror, I think I look great doing it, so. <laughs> All covered in petroleum jelly. <laughs> Head and toe. Yeah. Lipstick and mascara. Mm. Stringy, long black hair, just like Gollum. <laughs> Smashing a fish on the fucking counter. Get its guts <laughs> out. Well, it's no surprise that since he didn't like paying for things, Benedict Arnold was right there with the majority of Americans that were hot pissed that their British overlords kept creating new taxes. As protests against the government grew bigger and louder, Arnold got swept up in the wave of patriotism. In 1774, he led an angry, drunken mob to a loyalist preacher's home and threatened to smash the man's gate with an axe and charge inside, but he wisely retreated when the preacher leveled a gun at Arnold and threatened to, quote, blow his brains out, end quote. Don't know if that needed quotes, but that's exactly what the guy said, so... On April 19th, 1775, the war kicked off for realsies when British troops and American rebels clashed at Lexington and Concord in Massachusetts. A few days later, when Arnold found out what had happened, he marched some volunteers to Cambridge and offered to lead an attack to reclaim Fort Ticonderoga on Lake Champlain, which sits on the border of New York and Vermont and crosses over into Quebec. He was given the green light. He was given the title of Colonel and was given command of 400 men for the attack. What a great fucking time to be alive. If you just have some money, they're like, yeah, yeah. Major General. All right, sweet. Like, I'm not qualified to do this at all, but all right, fuck yes. I mean, you too can join a budding nation. Yeah, that's true. It's not going to happen here. This is a, <laughs> an established nation. Well... Dude, go, go into a fucking remote corner of Senegal where there's an uprising. I can, can pay my way to be colonel? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. And you'll get fucked up. <laughs> colonel Sanders did it. He survived, though. Made great chicken. Yeah. He's one. He's an exception. He's not the rule. That is true. He had fucking 21 herbs and spices. Are you kidding me? How many do you have? <laughs> I got none, man. I got nothing. You don't have shit. I got you nothing. have parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme, and you have that on a fucking Microsoft Zune MP3 player because it's a <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel song. That's all you have. You don't have any actual herbs and spices. I don't. I do not. Colonel, I'm not... 21, and they were fucking secret, dude, plus his slave army. <laughs> well, as you know, I live in a boarding home, and I'm not allowed to have my own herbs and spices because dudes like to sneak stuff in inside the bottles that's not actually for chicken it's for roofing their roommates and waiting until they fall asleep and you know just doing stuff to them you just don't have the drive that's true could you do it yes do you want to no 
That's true. Because it's it's harder than just collecting a few McCormick spices, dude. You, being in that place, would have to sprinkle the right amounts into a condom and store it in your butt. But <sighs> Yeah, I don't have the willpower, I guess. Some men are doers, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> and some aren't. You. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I guess I'll just keep doing this stupid fucking podcast then. Unbeknownst to Arnold, there were already two groups of militiamen who were already on their way to attack the same fort, and they were led by Ethan Allen and Captain Edward Mott. Those two groups met and joined forces ahead of Arnold. When Arnold got wind of it, he rode ahead of his own men and demanded to be put in charge of their force. Well, Allen and Mott thought it was pretty fucking dumb that this guy wanted to be in command of militias he didn't raise. And we're talking... Ethan Allen and Edward Mott, inventor of the lazy chair and applesauce, respectively. Like, you can't just fucking go up there and try and big boy them. You know? Uh-huh. Because of a furniture store. Yeah. And, and the applesauce brand little <laughs> foil top. Yeah. Their names nice, like dude. other names. Um, I'm so clever. Their names are very similar to these names. <laughs> they will not be strong-armed. That's right. Like, are you kidding me? I've got a fucking empire on the horizon. Fuck you. <laughs> Look, you take the apple, and you smush it all up. And it still tastes like apple, but it's smushed up. You don't have to chew it. Oh, he invented applesauce. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah, just he... the foil top plastic bottomed applesauce. No, no, he invented applesauce. And this guy's like, I don't get it. Why don't you just eat an apple? Listen, shut the fuck up, okay? You just Plastic, the... which would be invented over 150 years later. Right. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That should have been the bigger deal, but he was really focused on the applesauce aspect. <laughs> I know the fucking ancient Sumerians did this shit, but it wasn't like this, okay? Yeah. I put a little fucking cinnamon in it, you <laughs> fucking bitch. <laughs> I learned it from the colonel. It's all about the herbs and spices. I still don't understand. There's apple trees everywhere. I can just go pick an apple and eat it and get the same experience. All right, listen, you... Fucking idiot. You goddamn backwards motherfucker. Get the fuck off my river barge. <laughs> Anyways, those guys thought it was dumb that Arnold was asking to be in command, and they didn't give a single fart that the Massachusetts Committee of Safety had given Arnold papers saying that he was in charge. They did allow Arnold to tag along and march at the head of the column, but uh, they said he could give no orders. Just kind of, yeah, come on, you fucking idiot. You're already here. Here, hold the flag. <laughs> yeah. Flag bearer. Here, hold this, uh, hold this container of applesauce, you stupid motherfucker. Maybe you'll figure it out on the way. Maybe you can just see what all the fucking fuss is about. You've ruined my day. Then Arnold was like, well, I'm not going to be the flag bearer, but I'll be the flag bear. <laughs> he pulled off his top part of his uniform and oiled up. Big old hairy barrel chest. He's like, all right, now I'm the flag bear. Put on that little biker hat, <laughs> chain around it, you know, like village people. Flag bear. Took off ahead of the column screaming, I'm a human and I'm coming. I'm a human and I'm coming. Yeah. Benedict Arnold. <laughs> Rare, unheard of audio footage that 100 Proof History has acquired for you, the listener. That's why we're so great. That's why we're the best. Well, capturing Fort Ticonderoga was pretty easy. Most of the British soldiers there were caught off guard, 
and several of them were described as quote-unquote invalids. And I'm, I'm sorry, Wolf Dick, please don't punish me for saying that. It was in the book, okay? It, you know, invalids can do lots of things. They can do anything they want except walk or, you know, function normally. <clears throat> I'm going to expose my dick to a bunch of children. <sighs> you pissed them off. You can't do that, you fucking piece of shit. You can't get up and do that. So who wins? Who's the winner here? <laughs> oh. You pissed him off. I did. I'm sorry. I'm going to pay for that. He also... Hold on, he's passed me a note. I guess you also pissed him off when you... Oh. Oh. I was paying homage to Hitler. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Wolf Dick is Jewish. Not that you would have to be to be pissed off about you paying homage to Hitler. I feel like just a decent human being would feel that way, but I think that's why he's triggered. Uh, I want to go back to the first 10 episodes where I was just a sexist piece of shit and not this obviously horrible person that I've become. It doesn't look good, dude. I'll tell <laughs> it does you that. Not, it does not. Oh. Once they captured the fort, messages were sent back to Congress detailing that capture, and pretty much all of them failed to even mention Arnold was there. As soon as the fort was in their control, Arnold once again began flashing his papers around and demanding to be placed in charge, but the militiamen just got drunk and fired shots over his head. Arnold noted that their behavior disgusted him, and he preferred the company of the captured British soldiers. Hmm. Foreshadowing! Where could this be going? <laughs> While at Ticonderoga, Arnold ran a few raids on British positions and captured guns and a few boats, including a ship that he made his own flagship and renamed it Enterprise. British positions. <laughs> I think there's only one. Yeah. Missionary. <laughs> Missionary socks on. <laughs> and then after, you know, he worked up quite the appetite in that 30 seconds. Let's have some boiled chicken. No herbs and spices. <laughs> Then let's go look at the weather. Oh, it's gray. <laughs> Neat. I'm British. <laughs> Mate. <laughs> In June, Congress sent Colonel Benjamin Hinman and a thousand men to Ticonderoga to take control of the fort. Benedict refused to relinquish command because Hinman didn't have the right papers. What a nerd. This guy and his papers, am I right? A day later, another group of soldiers arrived with a note from Massachusetts specifically telling Arnold to give control to Hinman. And you gotta think, there's a big long delay, so they knew he was gonna be shitty about it. Like, you know what, next guys we send, just, just in case, let's go ahead and put some paper in there telling this stupid fuck to give up control. Benedict threw a hissy fit, resigned his commission, and disbanded his militia, most of which immediately re-enlisted under other colonels that had previously mocked Arnold. They had the opportunity to go home, stop fighting the war, and they're like, nah, dude, you're just a fucking douche. We're going to go over <laughs> here. <laughs> Arnold went back home, where he learned his oft-ignored wife, Margaret, had died of death. Oh, no. <laughs> he was now the single father of three boys, age seven, six, and three. And I know what you're thinking. 
probably had a heartfelt reunion. And he's like, I missed my children. I've been away so long. Kind of like a sitcom situation, maybe, you know, serious family drama. But instead of settling down and taking care of his family, Arnold left the boys in the care of his sister and began begging Congress to let him lead an invasion into Canada. To the facts of the matter, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, back then, it wasn't like it was now, dude. For instance, Benedict Arnold. You know, his dad was Benedict Arnold III. Mm-hmm. His older brother that died before he was born, that was Benedict Arnold IV. He died. <laughs> but it was so important to keep this this name in the family that, like, they named him the exact fucking same thing. Yeah. Ugh. That's just kind of how child rearing was back then. High infant mortality. A lot of people will point to average mortality age in a country. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what that doesn't account for is people that made it, you know, past like 10 years old. Right, 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 right. And, yeah. and that's why, oh, the average age back then was like 45. No, it wasn't. Like, <laughs> if you made it past 10 years old, you were yeah. probably going to be like, you know, 60s to 80s. But, um, yeah, it was, they were much more pragmatic with child rearing back then. And yeah. it was less emotionally involved. Sad to say. That's true. And it, it, it has switched. You're right, because I was actually a junior when I was born. I was Steve Jr., because that's my dad's name. And then my sister was born, and they loved her more, so they made her Steve Jr. And now... <laughs> Just stupid Chris, you know. She has way more chance of carrying on the family lineage and <laughs> yeah, name than yes. he does. <laughs> yeah, it seems like they tell her that they're very proud of her. And they don't say they're not proud of me, but I kind of noticed they never say they are proud of me. They don't say they're not not proud of me. <laughs> yeah. That's a win. When I called them, I was like, hey, what do you want me to bring for Thanksgiving? Like, oh, you're coming. Yeah, 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 uh, every year. And then you're like, I'm a human and I'm coming. (laughs) You're like, oh, what a treat. Yes. What a treat. This is how you talk to us and communicate. (laughs) Cool. No wonder we don't love you. I just sit at the dinner table and shout out memes the whole time. (laughs) Oh, the worst son. Well, anyways, Benedict wanted to invade Canada, and Congress thought it was a great idea, but instead of giving him command, they gave it to prominent New York landowner Philip Schuyler. Hoffman. <laughs> it's funnier because it took me a second. He's like, no, it was Scott. Oh, idiot. Mm, <laughs> Philip Schuyler Hoffman. <laughs> oh. Fun fact, this guy also died of a heroin overdose. That's not true. No, it's not. But he was a great method actor. Also not true. <laughs> but in September of that year, Benedict Arnold met with General George Washington. Who? Yeah, some spare. Don't worry about it. Uh, not important okay. to the story. Cool. Arnold said that while Schuyler was leading a direct assault, he could march another force to the wilderness of Maine and flank the British in Quebec City. Washington approved of the idea and reinstated Arnold as a colonel in the Continental Army. On September 25th, Arnold left with 1,100 men on what he believed would be a 180-mile march that would take about 20 days. 
In reality, it was 270 miles, and it would take six weeks. When Arnold finally arrived outside of Quebec City at the St. Lawrence River on November 8th, 200 of his men had died from illness, and another 300 had decided to quit the army and go home. A few days later, Arnold and 500 men crossed the river and placed Quebec City under siege. Stephen Seagal. When he sent a messenger under a white flag to negotiate the city's surrender, the British responded by firing cannon at the messenger, which pissed the honor-obsessed Arnold right the hell damn crap off. Don't shoot at my white flags, you son of a bitch. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Yeah, god damn you. You don't know who you fucked with. <laughs> and then he just sends Steven Seagal in there, and does all these slow-motion karate kicks, and... Hey! Goatee man! Go! 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 <laughs> Fat goatee man runs in. Yeah. His liver explodes. Fuck! <laughs> Alright, everybody else go. <laughs> in December, another 300 troops arrived with Colonel Richard Montgomery, and the combined forces began to bombard Quebec City with little in the way of results. On New Year's Eve, the army split in two and launched a direct attack on the city. Richard Montgomery was immediately killed by grape shot, and his men panicked and ran. On the other side of the city, Benedict Arnold, leading a small unit of 30 men, was shot in the left leg and had to be pulled off the front line. The attack was a complete failure, in which 100 Americans were killed and another 400 were captured. The British suffered only 20 casualties. Now, despite all of this, Arnold and his troops were able to keep Quebec City under siege for the following five months, and Congress saw fit to promote Arnold to Brigadier General mainly for having the balls to march through the wilderness of Maine and northeast Canada. And if you ever read a Stephen King novel, you know how fucking dangerous that part of Maine is, man. You better watch out, you go up there. The clowns and shit. Yeah. And there's dudes walking down the road, and you run them over, and they think they're going to die, so they start writing a bunch of books, and they all turn up kind of shitty after that, because he stops doing cocaine. Kind of ruins the whole thing. So, brave, man. It's just brave to be up there. They got Shawshanks. No redemption. Mm. Oh, my God. Yeah. On April 1st, 1776, a major general arrived to take command, but he refused to consult with the lesser-ranked Benedict Arnold. Within a month, 5,000 British troops had arrived in Quebec, forcing the Americans to retreat to Montreal, where they suffered starvation and a massive smallpox outbreak. And a month later, the Americans were forced to abandon Montreal as well. Before they left... Arnold confiscated goods and provisions from the city merchants, and he sent them to the Continental Army in St. John's. That's where they uh, invented the wart. A second St. John's wart reference. Oh, I didn't remember. Yeah, I did with the apothecary. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's good for you, man. It's, it's good rare. stuff. Like it's a hear. rare double reference. <laughs> yes. Something very obscure. <laughs> When those supplies arrived, the commander of St. John's, Colonel Moses Hazen, refused to receive them, so they were left unguarded It became the target of looters. Arnold was hot-pissed and wrote a letter calling Hazen a piece of shit. Hazen found that letter and demanded a court-martial to clear his name. The tribunal found that Hazen had been slandered, and they advised Arnold to apologize, at which point Arnold told the tribunal that they could fuck off too. <laughs> you gotta love it. <laughs> I'm not apologizing for shit until you sue me for over a billion dollars. And maybe I'll admit I was wrong. 
You know, Ar- Arnold's like, uh, not to use the same drop again, but it's too funny not to. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You piece of shit. You fucking goddamn fucker. Listen, fuckhead. You have fucking crossed the line. Get that through your goddamn fucking head. Stop pushing your shit. <laughs> he was serious about this shit, man. Yeah, he, he did not like that. The tribunal ordered his arrest, but luckily for Arnold, one of his ardent supporters and admirers was Major General Horatio Gates, who immediately dismissed the charges against Benedict. Great general, by the way. Oh, yeah, he's really good. He's one of my heroes. Probably the best. Yeah. Of that war. Yeah, yeah, he probably should have been commanding the whole thing. Probably should have been placed in charge, not a complete fucking moron in it anyway. And uh, if you believed a word, I just said, maybe you should go listen to our George Washington series where I contradict everything I just said with facts and logic. I hate those things. (laughs) Only like feelings. (laughs) Well, Greg, fuck your feelings. (laughs) Arnold then returned to Lake Champlain, where he oversaw the construction of several ships designed to defend Fort Ticonderoga against the British advance. In the ensuing naval battle, Arnold was soundly defeated by the superior British Navy and had to destroy every single one of his boats to keep them out of enemy hands, but he had successfully stalled the Brits long enough for the Americans to reinforce Fort Ticonderoga and halt the British advance. To his credit, were it not for this delay, the British would have likely been able to advance to Albany and flank George Washington's struggling army. So he loses, but he loses in style, man. He's doing. Good losing. The best kind of losing. Losing covered in sequins and glitter. (laughs) If you ever make an outline this long again, I'll kill you. Whatever. Benedict was then sent back to his relatively quiet home state of Rhode Island. Once there, he was super pissed when George Washington wrote to him to tell him that Congress was promoting five brigadier generals to the rank of major general, and Arnold wasn't going to be one of them. And things weren't much better in his personal life when he began courting a hot chick from Boston, and she rejected his advances. On May 2nd, 1777, he was finally promoted to Major General, but he was still pissy because he wasn't senior to the five men who had been promoted two months before him. That's how seniority works, you stupid fuck. Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. In July of that year, Arnold was so bitchy about his seniority that he once again decided to quit the army. But the same day that happened, Congress received a letter from George Washington saying the Brits were once again trying to invade through Canada, and he told them they should send Arnold to command a defense force. Benedict immediately said, psych, about the whole quitting thing, and headed north. Upon arriving in Stillwater, New York, Arnold joined up with Horatio Gates, who had dug the army in behind defensive earthworks. As the British forces, led by General John Burgoyne, approached, Gates was content to stay on the defensive, but Arnold convinced Gates to launch an attack. What followed, known as the Battle of Saratoga, was a chaotic mess, which involved a lot of hand-to-hand fighting. In the end, Burgoyne took the position, but he lost more than 600 men, which was double the American losses. Now, dickbag Horatio Gates, he did take all the credit for the battle's outcome in his letter to Congress, and he didn't mention Arnold at all, which once again sent Benedict into a hissy fit. As a result, Gates placed all of Arnold's troops under the command of other generals, 
making Arnold a lame duck leader. It's kind of like letting him ride the flag again. You know, you can carry the flag, yes. You got your leather cap on. Flag bear. <laughs> Gage is like, what does that even fucking mean, man? This is 1777. I don't know what a bear is. Are we worried about them getting into our food supplies? Do we need to hang things in trees? Oh, you have a lot to learn about this town, honey. <laughs> have you even seen my biker cap? <laughs> On October 7th, 1777, Burgoyne once again attacked the American lines at Saratoga. This time, the Americans repelled the attack. Gates was content in the battle there, but at that moment, Benedict Arnold, disobeying orders and, according to some witnesses, drunk, rode out to lead a counterattack. He rode up and down the line, issuing orders to his riflemen. At one point, a British musket ball smashed his left leg and killed his horse. The animal fell on top of his injured leg and pinned him to the ground. As he lay helpless, he continued to bark out orders, shouting, Rush on, my brave boys! That's how he sounded. I watched a documentary that said if that ball would have killed him instead Mm -hmm. of just injuring him, the Americans would not have won the revolution. What do you think about that? How do they piece that together? Oh, also spoilers. (laughs) How do they piece that together? I don't know. (laughs) I didn't really pay attention. Yeah. Looking at porn on my phone at the same time. Just exactly. a slow jerk. Yeah, it was just know? in the background. <laughs> and the jerk slowed, and I looked over at the YouTube, and I was like, hmm. I don't care that much. And then I went back to the fast <laughs> jerk. Once again, Burgoyne suffered massive casualties, and on October 17th, he was forced to surrender his army to the Americans. Horatio Gates was hailed as a hero, and he became a challenger for George Washington's job. Congress finally gave Benedict Arnold the seniority and rank he had been bitching about for almost a year. But the ever-sensitive Arnold viewed it as a sympathy move and not actual recognition that they had been wrong. Because of his wound and the shitty medical technology of 1777, Arnold would lose two inches of muscle in his left leg. He would always have a limp, and he would have to wear a heel on one shoe to compensate. It's just the red stiletto pump, you know, it's kind of weird with (laughs) the other foot has a riding boot on it. (laughs) It was unlikely he would ever be given another military command, and worst of all, he would never ice skate again. No. Yeah. He was so good at it. Yeah. He had dreams of (sighs) Olympic glory, purchased his tights, and... They weren't doing the Olympics then. (laughs) I'm sorry. How dare you? The World Championships, I'm sorry, held in Toronto every year. I have season passes, just say. Ah. It was the end of 1777. Following his heroic actions in Saratoga, Arnold went on a mini tour of New England. He visited Valley Forge in Pennsylvania, where he was thrilled to learn that the newest fortification in West Point, New York, was going to be named Fort Arnold. It was also there that he took an oath of allegiance to the United States of America. That was going to prove to be very ironic. Dude, I used to swear allegiance to the United States of America all the time. Every day. I was like five. (laughs) Until, what, 18? Yeah. We still doing that in high school? I don't know. It's weird as fuck. It is weird. It's very Hitler-youthy, but you know. 
It's very more patriotic. Yeah. But back then, this was pre-1950, so they didn't have God in their pledge. We just added right. that. Right, yeah. 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 That was 50-something. Yeah, because you know. the commies didn't believe in God. Anyway, what's going to happen <laughs> with Benedict Arnold? I don't know. He probably is going to remain a hero and rejoin the American army, lead them to glory. I think that's probably what's going to happen, but I don't know. And Greg's going to have to tell us after this break. Based on my research, I'm pretty sure you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome back from break. Welcome back to Hunter Proof History, the podcast that has ruined you for all their podcasts. I'd like to uh, thank you for coming back from that break. It was, it was touch and go, I'm sure. You're like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust them, but here you are. You like it. You like being treated this way. And here we are, fat and sweaty, choking you <laughs> while we have sex. You got to pretend like you're into it. Yep. Sweat drips from our head onto yours. <laughs> Some of it touches your lips so salty. Ugh. Ugh. Need to wash that taste out of your mouth. <laughs> what better way to do that, Chris? Than with a second half seltzer? Mmm. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. All right. Let's get that image out of our minds and that taste out of our mouth with a little pop. Ready? Three, two, one. All right. Well, we got our seltzers. We are back in this story. It's a long one, so buckle yourself in, and Greg will drive you home. You know, the seatbelts, they're just, they're not really working these days, and they do that thing like where you can't lean forward. When it's just locked forever. Oh, yeah. I hate that. Just just hop in the trunk there. <laughs> I'll get you safely to your destination. Last stop, hell. <laughs> <laughs> what? Nothing. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't say anything, sweetheart. Go ahead and hop in the trunk. I got a pillow back there and a, a sleeping bag. You can ignore those stains. They're definitely not blood. <laughs> just, you know, wrap yourself up in that tarp as if it was a blanket. And you can just have a little night-night snooze on the way there. <laughs> Here, I'm going to put this uh, this tape over your eyes so you don't get any light pollution, you know? This tape over your mouth so you, you avoid sleep apnea, breathing through your nose. It's better for you. Exactly. Yeah. What do you mean, why have I reinforced the taillights so that you can't kick them out from the inside? <laughs> That's not why. You're crazy. <laughs> I feel like you're gaslighting me, involuntary passenger. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like such a sovereign citizen statement. It's like, no, I didn't kidnap her. She's an involuntary passenger. <laughs> and I'm a sovereign citizen, goddammit. Yeah, you don't have any rights to look back there. I don't care how much <laughs> screaming you hear. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, yes. And for that, I'm thankful. All right, well, tell them the rest of the goddamn story. <laughs> I suppose I have to. It's in the contract. While Benedict Arnold was finally getting what he felt was well-deserved praise for being a war hero, 
Another man that would play a big role in Arnold's life was rising through the ranks on the British side. Captain John Andre had been born in relative obscurity, but had gained a reputation as being likable and intelligent, and by December 1776, he found himself as the aide to Major General Charles Gray. Who was really into BDSM and stuff. Mm. Like He started off as a secretary, but then he became a sex slave. Back-to-back podcast with fucking 60 <laughs> uh, Shades of Grey references. You know it's 50 Shades of Grey. Oh, 50. <laughs> I, well, I, it didn't sound right when I said I swear to God. I, I added 10 right shades in my mind. I wrote some extra dirty stuff in the margins of that book. <laughs> oh. After a few months with Gray, who was a big fan of brutal warfare involving minimal shooting and maximum bayonet stabs to the enemy's stomach, Andre moved into Philadelphia, which had been occupied by British forces. He had made such a good impression on Gray that he was asked to do little actual work and instead spent most of his time painting, acting, and throwing massive parties, all while crashing in the former home of American founding father, Benjamin Franklin. But by the summer of 1778, the British were concerned about the French entering the war and ending the good times, so they decided to leave Philadelphia and reinforce New York. Based on his good reputation, Andre was made the aide to the leader of the British forces, General Henry Clinton. And P-Funk Parliament. Funkadelic. P-Funk, what's the, there's, there's two names, George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic, but I guess it's P-Funk. Hmm, yes. Uh, Henry Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic. White (laughs) coming to this conclusion. Holy Uh, P-Funk is an abbreviation of Parliament Funkadelic. Yeah, I'm doing good. (laughs) In June, the Americans took Philadelphia back over, and George Washington decided that Benedict Arnold was the perfect dude to be the city's military commandant. He couldn't have picked someone worse suited for the job. The first thing Arnold did was place the city under martial law and closed all the shops for a week so that he could confiscate goods for the Continental Army. It's important to remember that at this time, Philadelphia was home to some of the most liberal Americans, and they weren't super fond of a military leader coming in and restricting their freedoms. Came in there and said, you guys got to wear masks. There's a fucking pandemic going on. You son of a bitch. We're liberals. We don't do that. (laughs) Different times. Different times. Different times. Well, they began to give Arnold so much shit that within a month he was already writing to Washington, asking if maybe he could be like a naval commander or something. It didn't help Arnold that he loved to live the life of a gentleman. He moved into a fancy house, bought a shitload of expensive furniture, and threw a ton of parties. He also didn't care if someone was a patriot or a loyalist. If he liked them, he'd invite them to his house. Wait, what do you mean? The guy that fucking betrayed this country? Like, oh wait, that's spoiler. Yeah, don't, don't come on, man. It would be funny if if the whole reason this happened was he was a big hashtag both sides guy. Like anytime he saw a political <laughs> argument, he's like, well, I don't know. I mean, you gotta you gotta change out your glasses, man. Look through a different lens. Yeah, one that doesn't fog up because you have a fucking mask on, you pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you're both sides? I don't think you're both sides. Because usually the both sides guy is, he's one side. Yeah, he definitely is. He's like, well, you know, one side wants to uh, take away all of your rights. And the other side has these people who are kind of annoying. So, I mean, it's kind of even. <laughs> Scales are balanced. 
He also loved going to the theater and attending plays, which Congress had deemed as anti-patriotic diversions. Hmm. Arnold soon began to clash with the powerful political committee known as the Pennsylvania Council. A big point of contention came when four American soldiers captured a British ship. As they brought it back to New Jersey, the ship was intercepted by Convention, a ship owned by the state of Pennsylvania. The ship was escorted to Philly, where the Convention crew claimed they had helped capture it. The leader of the men who had actually captured it was only given 25% of its value. Arnold told the Pennsylvania Council that was bullshit and protested to Congress, pissing them off further. He kind of has a point here. Yeah, stand up for the small guy, you know? Like him. Yeah. 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 Of course, he didn't mention that he had worked out a secret deal that would give him 50% of any money Congress agreed the leader was actually owed. (laughs) Oh. Uh, You know. He's not working pro bono (sighs) here. Come on. Just because he was right doesn't mean he's not a piece of shit. (laughs) Well, it all came to a head in late 1778 when it looked like the British were going to take a New Jersey harbor where he was storing a bunch of his personal goods and items. Arnold sent wagons owned by the army to the harbor just to get his shit before it could be captured. When the council found out about it in January of 79, they demanded that Arnold explain himself. He told them he answers to Congress and George Washington and they could politely go fuck themselves, okay? And then he dabbed on them. (laughs) It's like when I went to court and I wore the shirt that said, only God can judge me. (laughs) It had the fucking, the praying hands with the rosary beads coming out of them. Yeah. It didn't go well. Did not go well for me. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say they threw the fucking book at my face. (laughs) There's a reason I'm in this halfway house for prisoners. (laughs) I wasn't wearing any pants either. I was doing the Winnie the Pooh approach to the the court. I don't have dick nipples, so I just I cut out the shirt and circles around my actual nipples to emphasize them a little more. (laughs) Just really trying to uh, make the Pooh-esque costume authentic. Yeah. They did not like that. The judge was like, sir, you have to wear pants to court. I'm like, why? My dick's so small, you can't fucking see it. You can't see it sticking out past the shirt. Come on, man. What is this? Look at this thatcher of pubic hair hiding it. (laughs) It's like a little baby hedgehog hiding when mommy's away. Sir, did you just actively smoke meth in front of me? No, (laughs) no, it's my inhaler. Ooh. No, I didn't smoke it. I freebased it, you fucking moron. (laughs) Stupid judge. It smoked, and then I inhaled it. (laughs) Fucking idiot. Thought you had to have, like, a fucking law degree to be there. You're gonna sit here and judge me while you're cross-dressing up there? In your fucking black dress that doesn't even hug your figure, so I don't know what you're packing. You could be super hot or super fat. I don't know. I don't (laughs) care what your name is, Judith. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Judith. Hmm. <laughs> Seems like y'all really do run the country, Judge Judy. <laughs> then they called me an anti-Semite. Yeah. That was this whole big thing. Then my phone goes off, and it's this sound. Now play the Alex Jones. Fuck you. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You piece of shit. You fucking goddamn fucker. Listen, fuckhead. You have fucking crossed the line. Get that through your goddamn fucking head. Stop pushing your shit. And it was doing that for text messages. <laughs> yeah, it's Sign really long. Phone call. <laughs> yeah. 
It didn't help my case you know, when I was doing the whole, you know, especially because I was just pursing my lips with my eyebrows at the top of my head like a fucking teenage girl. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. you hear this? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's you. You know, that's you. <laughs> then I threw out a, a cash me outside, double dabbed each side, and uh, I got held in contempt. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> I'm still in contempt. <laughs> Fuck Judge Judy. Well, fun and games aside, after uh, Arnold uh, flipped off the Pennsylvania Council and said he only answers to Congress and George Washington and all that, he booked it to New York to propose that he and other wounded veterans be given massive tracts of land along the border of America and Canada as a reward for their service, and as a bonus, they could defend the frontier. Mm -hmm. Honestly, this is charity. (laughs) This is fucking charity, you know? Y'all need somebody there on the border. I'm there. Give me 3,000 acres, and I can solely defend it as a wounded veteran. Oh, man. That cannot walk. Just dangling that purple heart in front of them. Like, look at this. You got one of these? You don't got one of these. That's right. (laughs) The New York government was all for it until they read a letter in the local paper that the Pennsylvania Council had sent to Congress accusing Arnold of eight separate offenses. He was absolutely livid that his character had been questioned and immediately demanded Congress give him a court-martial so that he might clear his name. While he was waiting for his court-martial, the 38-year-old Arnold married sweet, clean, 18-year-old, daughter of a staunch loyalist, Peggy Shippen, in April... Of 1779. (laughs) I like your attack ad political voice. It's pretty good. We may have to use that later. (laughs) I just wanted to like, sweet, you know, just this guy's piece of shit. (laughs) Just make it more and more evil as the sentence went on. (laughs) Benedict Arnold is too radical for this country. (laughs) He likes to socialize. You know. Like socialism. (laughs) The screen's all red. (laughs) Red lasers are shooting out of his eyes, destroying America. (laughs) Paid for by Jesus Christ himself. He loves you, and he hates that guy. (laughs) LLC. Well, Arnold was still dealing with his wounded leg, so for most of the ceremony, he had to either be held up by another soldier or had to sit down with his leg propped up on a stool. But, according to the gossips of the time, his leg injury did not prevent him from enthusiastically consummating his marriage that night. It's because the uh, soldier was still there, like behind him, like moving him back and forth. Thrusting for him. (laughs) Yeah. You you like this peg leg? I would like a little pegging myself. (laughs) Peggy. (laughs) Her name's Peggy. Well, her name's actually Margaret, and they called her Peggy, so I guess he, that's... He signed uh, up for... He's like, wait, I sold a bad bill. <laughs> you know, like, I thought I was getting something advertised. She's like, sir, I'm 18. I've never been exposed to the world. I don't even know what you're talking about. Put on the wooden dildo. <laughs> <laughs> they don't call me Ben Dick Arnold for nothing. Bendict. 
I thought it was Benedict. Nope, they've been misspelling it, mispronouncing it for goddamn 38 years. My actual name's Thurman. <laughs> That's just my nickname. <laughs> when Captain John Andre was sitting in his office on May 10th, when Joseph Stansberry, a loyalist who owned a glass shop in Philadelphia, arrived with shocking news. Major General Benedict Arnold had sent Stansbury to New York with a message. He wished to defect and enlist in the services of King George III. Why did he do it? That's kind of hard to say. He would later say he didn't approve of Congress or the alliance with the French and believed that if he defected, he could help bring the United States and England back together like the bitter divorcees from the movie The Parent Trap. Others accused him of greed and said he needed British gold to keep his lavish lifestyle. And even others took note of how he sent word to Andre that he wanted to defect just weeks after marrying Peggy Shippen, who was the daughter of a staunch loyalist. Well, she's like, you want this peg? You gotta overthrow the government. He's like, mother... You want this peg? You gotta put in the leg. Work. To overthrow this government. And he's like, you know my leg doesn't work. That's, that's insensitive, Peggy. God damn it. She's like, no, stupid. If you want to have sex, you got to go. <laughs> you got to go overthrow the American government and reinstall the Brit. I don't get it. What? Let me spell it out for you, baby. Look at these two thumbs. What has two thumbs and likes to peg twerk? <laughs> now you have to put in the leg work to <laughs> overthrow the U.S. government. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Seems like what happened to me. Just spitballing, but I think I think we're onto something. <laughs> Peggy shipping, be twerking and shitting. You know what I'm saying? But only <laughs> if you overthrow the U.S. government. Do <laughs> you want that, baby? I, I would prefer you not to poop, but <laughs> yes, the rest a... sounds splendid. Absolutely splendid. Yeah. <laughs> well, either way, <laughs> John Andre and his commander, General Henry Clinton, sent word back to Arnold through trusted channels that he would better serve the British by not joining their army, but instead by providing them with intelligence. That's a big ask of this guy. <laughs> he agreed, but as military commandant of Philadelphia, he wasn't able to do much for him throughout 1779 and the relationship grew somewhat cold. Meanwhile, Congress kept pushing back the date of the court-martial he had requested to clear his name. Finally, in December, almost a full year after he'd asked for the trial, the hearings began. Arnold represented himself, and his entire defense was basically calling the Pennsylvania Council a bunch of little fucking titty bitches. <laughs> in January of 1780, Congress found him guilty of acting improperly, when he had sent army wagons to get his shit. His punishment was a written reprimand from George Washington himself. The one dollar bill. I don't know, man. That that seems worse than, like, they just gave him 40 lashes or whatever. Like, you get a disappointing letter from George Washington, like, you've... When you he know, wanted this! It's like your, your, your dad, who, who never really, like, punished you, but then he's like, I'm so disappointed in you, son. You're like, God damn. God damn it, that hurts. That stings. I've let everyone down. I'm a failure. 
I'm just going to go overthrow the government, I guess. And that's how people like me join uh-huh. militias, you know? And uh, yeah. Start planting pipe bombs places. I don't know. <laughs> I and now I'm a prepper. It yeah. Basically, it's a hobby. You know, it's just a hobby. Do I think it's going to happen? No, no, of course. But I'm fucking prepared. I'm fucking prepared. <laughs> Are you? Are you, brother? <laughs> Here's some literature. It's called the Turner Diaries. I don't know if you've read it. It's very interesting. Are you prepared, fellow white brother? <laughs> Let's be honest, all those dudes are racist. Oh, they're super racist. I've never met a black prepper. Well, Arnold felt humiliated and abandoned by his own government. And to make matters worse, he was going broke and needed a big infusion of cash. He wrote desperate letters to Congress seeking reimbursement for money he'd spent in Canada. But the amounts were so relatively small that Congress treated his request with absolutely no urgency. But one inquiry did find that Arnold actually owed Congress a thousand pounds for undocumented expenditures. (laughs) In April of 1780, Arnold once again threw a hissy fit and resigned his commission as military commandant of Philadelphia. He soon began reaching out to the Brits once more. Using his wife, Peggy, (laughs) as a messenger, he would write letters to John Andre using coded language and invisible ink. He wrote to Andre that he was basically guaranteed to take over command of the defenses at West Point, which was a major strong point on the Hudson River that, if captured, would cut the Continental Army in half and give the Brits a water passage from Canada to New York City. Needless to say, that would be fucking awful for the Continental Army's cause. Yeah, and just so there's no confusion, West Point Military Academy is what exists there today, but back then it was just like a series of fortifications at a place where the river bends. The Hudson River bends going towards New York City. What's the other H River that borders Manhattan? Oh, just the Hudson in the east, right? Harlem. Stupid bitch. Ah, I know there's a Harlem River. It was on Jeopardy the other day. Uh, Read a book that tells you book. to watch Jeopardy on TV. <laughs> Stupid bitch. <laughs> Was it hosted by Ken Jennings or Melium Biak? It was Ken Jennings. Okay. Lisping all over the place. (laughs) Now, no one had offered Arnold this job, but he went and toured the forts anyway and began to tell everyone who would listen that he should get the job. Around the same time, he got word of where and when the French ships would be arriving and passed it on to Andre. His information was good, but the British admiral was too slow to act, and the French were able to evade the British Navy. On July 31st, George Washington met with Arnold and gave him the super good news that Arnold was to be given command of a brigade. Washington was surprised by how depressed Arnold looked by this appointment. The next day, Arnold, who had spent most of 1779 begging to be moved out of Philadelphia and to be given a command, went to Washington's headquarters to insist that his leg was way too fucked up for him to be put on the front lines. As a result... Arnold was placed in charge of West Point. Fucking 85D chess, bro. <laughs> it's just, uh, from George Washington's perspective, that's got to be so crazy. Like, this dude's been like, bro, Philadelphia sucks. This city sucks ass. It smells like piss. And they're obsessed with, like, some thin-shaved steak for some fucking reason. They put cheese Whiz on. And the Eagles. They like this team. Fucking Eagles are pieces Ugh. of shit. They suck. Their fans eat fucking horse shit when they win a fucking Super Bowl. Finally. <laughs> he was like, just 
Hey, give me any military command, bro. I don't care. Give me the outpost in Alaska. I know it's not a state. I'll fucking go there anyway. We'll start a fucking fight there. Let's go. And he's like, okay, here you go. Got you, military command. He's like, oh, I don't know. My leg kind of hurts today. You know, when the when the humidity, the barometric <laughs> pressures and stuff, man, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, dude. <laughs> I know you pulled like a thousand strings. Probably sucked a couple dicks to get me this. I'm super, super appreciative, dude. I'm so appreciative. I don't want it. <laughs> I, it no. I, yeah. I actually won't accept it. Yeah, so. what if you would just put me in a fort somewhere, like, uh, <sighs> oh, spitballing, spitballing. Uh, I'm just going to throw a dart at this board with one name on it. Uh, West Point. How about West Point? <laughs> what, what do you say to that, old Georgie, old boy, old pal? You owe me. You owe me, George. You saw what I did in Saratoga and shit. You owe me. So give me West Point. Well, I just gave you command. No, 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 no. You owe me, you piece of shit. You stupid motherfucker. <laughs> Don't renege now, George. Don't you fucking renege now. I'll tell Martha. Get a little curious. Had to come to Peggy Town. They don't have pictures because those don't exist. But I do have an, an artist rendering on canvas. So, balls in your court, Georgio boy, old pal. It's just a regular painting of George Washington that's got a crudely drawn woman with the strap on behind him. Look, photographic evidence. What the fuck's a photograph, first of all? <laughs> They're going to destroy you on TikTok, George. Just give me the fucking West Point command. <laughs> As a result of that conversation that we just quoted, Arnold was placed in charge of West Point. Old Eggs Benedict Arnold immediately went to work dismantling improvements and sending soldiers into the forest away to gather firewood. He wrote to Andre that he had gotten the job and told him that he'd be willing to hand over West Point for the tidy sum of 20,000 pounds. And that's 4.2 million pounds in 2022, which in freedom money is probably a little over $6 million, if I had to guesstimate. But that's yeah, all that uh, is, is guesstimate. Yeah. In August, General Henry Clinton agreed to the price, so long as the fortress came with the guns, supplies, and 3,000 troops. Oh, and make sure those troops are surrendering troops. <laughs> Ooh, almost messed that one up. Almost had a fucking battle on our hands, boys. Yeah. <laughs> General Clinton was still very paranoid that either Andre was dealing with an imposter or that Arnold was lying about his betrayal and ordered Andre to meet with Arnold in person to go over the final details before he officially gave the green light to the plan. If it was all legit, Clinton had 3,000 soldiers ready to send up the Hudson. On September 20th, 1780, John Andre, who had been promoted to major, hopped on the British ship Vulture and headed up the Hudson. The plan called for him to stop in neutral territory and then take an unmarked sailboat to a meeting point with Arnold. Andre, who was in full uniform, said, fuck that shit, and took the Vulture all the way into enemy territory. Arnold ended up getting there, but he was a day late. Andre disembarked from the vulture and walked into the woods where he and Arnold conversed for several hours. Conversed in quotes. Am I right? Then they put their clothes on and talked. <laughs> oh, what about this old <laughs> thing to overthrow the... Oh, fuck, I guess we should get to that, huh? <laughs> now tell me, my good boy, what did you say this uh, 
Peggy woman does for you? <laughs> How about I show you? Well, she hadn't done it yet, but, uh, you know, once we don't throw the promises. <laughs> I did see a wooden dildo in her panty drawer. <laughs> like she just, she's sitting on the front porch whittling a stick with a knife. You overthrow the government yet? Not, not yet, baby. Okay, well, guess there's going to be a duck. <laughs> I saw her putting beeswax on it. It is, hmm, it is ready to go. <laughs> she used a very dark wood. I don't know if that was intentional, but it got me going. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it's made of oak. And I know it's going to have me saying, oh, oh. <laughs> I just know it. It'd be a little more awkward if it was mesquite. <laughs> mesquite. <laughs> I've read about this thing in French pamphlets called Les Combaton, and I am very excited to see what that is. <laughs> Well, while they were in the woods talking, a bored American commander moved artillery pieces onto a hill overlooking the river and began to bombard the vulture. The ship and Andre's ride back home took damage and moved back downriver. As the sun rose, Arnold and Andre decided to hide at the house of a co-conspirator, Joshua Smith. That night, Arnold gave Andre several maps and documents that detailed West Point's defenses, all of which had been written in Arnold's handwriting. He also gave Andre and Joshua Smith a pass stating that Andre was a New York merchant named John Anderson. They rode throughout the night and encountered a few patrols, but each time Smith was able to convince the soldiers that they were red-blooded American patriots. We were there on January 6th, bro. You know? <laughs> we were there. Fellow white brother. <laughs> But on the morning of September 23rd, which was only a day after they had, you know, met at 1 a.m. that night, uh, Smith told Andre that he was on his own and turned back. Somewhere around 9 a.m. that morning, Andre stumbled upon a few stray soldiers who had been waiting by a bridge to rob someone. They were wearing green coats, so Andre mistook them for German mercenaries and immediately identified himself as a British soldier. Fucking idiot. Big no-no. <laughs> Like, uh, he, he shows up and says, hey, you guys from the party? And like, what party? He's like, the British party. I'm like, yeah, we are. He's like, me too. I am British. We're, we're best friends. Get him, boys. <laughs> <laughs> they detained him and searched him, at which point they discovered the drawings of the defenses at West Point. Andre was taken before Colonel. Is that how you say that word? Colonel? Yes. Yeah, I think that's right. Andre yeah. was taken before Colonel John Jameson, who realized Andre was a spy and knew that Benedict Arnold was expecting a merchant named John Anderson, so he sent the recovered documents to George Washington, but inexplicably sent Andre back to Arnold with a letter that basically said, Hey, did you know this dude's a spy? <laughs> hey, just want to give you a heads up that this this dude's a spy, man. You might want to fucking do something about this. I'm not, well, it's not my brother. Oh, man, thank fucking, thank you, brother. Thank you, fucking fellow white brother. Hell yeah. Go Trump. <laughs> well, this fucking idiot man he fucked everything up but they'll find out well right and the hell of it all was that george washington was actually planning on visiting benedict arnold on september 24th and arnold had even planned on giving him over to the brits when they captured west point which would have been an absolute disaster for the american cause but washington was delayed by a day 
and didn't plan on getting there until September 25th. Just a fun bit of coincidence there. That's so many things in life. Yeah. Yeah, The butterfly effect and all that. Like, how would things be now if there wasn't some just wild coincidence that happened at different points throughout history? And this is modern history. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's wild to think about, like... When you, when you read about these things, and it's like, man, that was so close to going the other way. How many things did go the other way from, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, they say puff, puff, pass. Here you go, brother. Here you go, That's white brother. why I love uh, Quantum Leap, man. Just going back in time, changing the future for the better. Remember when Scott Bakula was a retarded boy? <laughs> it was he was. Fun. Yeah, I know. He looks in the mirror. And he has Down syndrome. And he says... Am I retarded? <laughs> That's so fucked up, dude. You it's couldn't so do 80s. that today. <laughs> no. Are you kidding? No. I do also remember the episode that was the JFK assassination, and it was such a fucking cop-out. Because you guys, if you guys haven't seen this show, he goes back in time to right the wrongs of the past. Like, So he has to change something before he can jump to the next timeline. And so he goes back to the JFK assassination, and he is Lee Harvey Oswald. And we're all like, what the fuck? How is he going to change this? And it turns out... Lee Harvey Oswald also killed Jackie Kennedy. Oh. But he changed that and only killed oh. JFK. <laughs> wow. No, yeah. I didn't know that one. Yeah. Was I was like a, a little kid watching these. I just remember him being yeah. mentally handicapped. <laughs> I just remember that one. <laughs> well, no, I, I remember several, but yeah, that one sticks out because like today, that that's a big no-no. Yeah. They've remade like that blackface, show. dude. They have actually remade the show. It's I've new heard. episodes. I, I, I don't think he's jumped back into the body of a mentally challenged person yet, but, you know, it's not sweeps. We had not got there yet. retarded boy, dude. Let's <laughs> call it what it is. How did we get on Quantum Leap? What are we talking about? <laughs> uh, fucking a way to cook eggs. I don't know. Benedict <laughs> Arnold. That's what it is. Okay. Anyway. Well, while this was going on, eventually someone arrived and they convinced Colonel Jameson that he probably shouldn't let Andre go. Uh, So he sent a a writer to retrieve the captured spy. I don't know, man. What if he's working with him? I don't fucking know, dude. Nah. (laughs) Give me that fucking J-bag, dude. (laughs) Fuck yeah, dude. Call him Colonel Jameson because he's just pounding that Irish whiskey the whole fucking time. He's like that. I don't know. He was pretty cool. He's a, a cool dude. He'd probably not spy. Us. I'm gonna take a Give nap on this day. Listen, yeah, yeah, my boy. <laughs> well, the letter indicating Andre had been captured still arrived at Arnold's home on the morning of the 25th. He immediately hopped on a horse, rode straight to the Hudson River, and took a boat to the British ship Vulture, where he officially defected to the British Army. Straight up fucking panic as soon as that letter got there. He's like, oh, I have to go check on something in the stables. No. <laughs> Give me just a second. <laughs> I, need to <laughs> I need to freshen myself. <laughs> like, dude, this guy's acting weird as fuck. <laughs> yeah, sweat dripping into the yeah. listener's mouth because he's over them. <laughs> At about that time, George Washington and his envoy arrived at Arnold's home and ate breakfast while they waited on Arnold, who had assured his servants he would, quote, be right back. 
Just going to get some cigarettes. End quote. (laughs) It was then that the documents that they had found on Andre arrived, and Washington realized he had been betrayed. He sent Alexander Hamilton after Arnold, but it was too late. Major John Andre was found guilty of being a spy, and he was sentenced to death. Washington wrote to General Clinton and said he'd free Andre if they gave him Benedict Arnold, but Clinton refused. Andre requested that he be executed by firing squad, but Washington ignored him and ordered him to be hanged instead. On October 2nd, 1780, Andre was led to the gallows. His last words were, quote, All I request of you gentlemen is that you will bear witness to the world that I die like a brave man, end quote, in Shakespearean English accent. <laughs> I feel like my quote would be exactly the same, except I would have visibly pissed myself and I would be bawling my eyes. <laughs> I just want everybody to think I was brave. I'm so, I'm a big, Tom, I was a strong boy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck a dignified death. Who cares? You're dying. <laughs> That's all you got left, dude. Your legacy. <laughs> I ate so much food, I hope I shit myself all over the place in front of you. <laughs> it's your punishment. The American officers <laughs> the American officers who had gotten to know Andre in the weeks between his capture and his execution openly wept. Benedict Arnold was immediately made a brigadier general in the British Army and given a command, although it was noted that his troops didn't trust him for some reason. Over the first few months of 1781, Arnold led a raiding party in South Carolina that saw some successes before he found out that the Marquis de Lafayette and 3,000 men were coming for him, and he ran away like a little bitch. Washington lamented that, quote, The world is disappointed at not seeing Arnold and Gibbets. End quote. And what that means is he not only wanted to see Arnold hanged, he wanted his body placed in shackles and put on display while it rotted away. That's fucking metal. Arnold returned to England where he attempted to convince everyone that if he was given one more command, he could turn the tide. But for all intents and purposes, the war was over following a British defeat at Yorktown. He once again became a merchant, and during the French Revolution, he protected some British traders from the French Navy. As traders as in trading goods, not traders as in betrayed their country. I mean, we feel like I need to make the distinction in this story. True. <laughs> Both types exist in this story. Yes. They were the other kind. <laughs> the good kind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just, you know, you give me a little something, I'll give you a little something, you know? Give me some beads, I'll like give you Like two boys growing up, you know? It's like, <laughs> hey, man. Just imagine a woman. It's not good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Two two boys growing up. That's what happens. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right, everyone? <laughs> well, as a reward for protecting the uh, the traders, he was given a big plot of land in Canada, but he never got to enjoy it. In 1801, after suffering numerous illnesses, Benedict Arnold died at the age of 60 from the incurable condition of being a little bitch. You know what he had his wife dress him in? Hmm. His old colonial uniform. Oh, I do know that. And, uh... You should. You read the fucking book. 
Yeah, he had some famous last words that I forgot to put in here, and I've already forgotten. But how he wished very famous, met. very famous, bigly well, yeah. famous. About how he wished he'd never turn traitor. But oh, definitely, whatever. he yeah. he super regretted it. I mean, it didn't help that America won, you know, <laughs> yeah. and that yeah. nobody trusted him ever. Even his wife, for some reason. Yeah, it's like my buddies, you know, meeting ladies that are cheating on their partners, and then they fall in love with the lady. It's like, you ever going to be able to trust this, this <laughs> lady? Sorry, I'm doing quotes. You guys can't see my quote hands. Yeah. You ever going to be able to trust this lady, buddy? You don't know who she's pegging. No idea. You ever going to be able to trust this lady, brother, f- fellow white brother? Because <laughs> we live in the mountains. We're in a militia. We got guns. Come at us. Fuck, come at us. Double dab. Boom. <laughs> How you know she's not some liberal spy? Going to turn you over. <laughs> well, they're just infiltrating our, our band of 16 militiamen <laughs> in the hills of Idaho. What the fuck, dude? Come That's on, fellow white brother. We have a no ladies policy for that specific reason. <laughs> this is a fucking white brother militia. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the lady we're all supposed to be just enjoying each other's company yeah like i said think of a woman it's admiring each other's bodies you think that happens naturally no man that takes work while we're doing what we're doing you think you imagine as if i am a buxom uh catch you know what i mean i am the lady okay just picture what treat you do me, to Hill- treat me like a lady here kiss my hand try it out right now kiss me <laughs> kiss me on top of my hand mm, there you see that's the first step, fellow white brother. Yeah, and once we get in the bed, you just picture what you do to Hillary Clinton. You do that to me. I think I'd like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, <laughs> had Benedict Arnold been successful in surrendering West Point and George Washington to the British, the war might have ended with the Americans surrendering and accepting very harsh terms. But Arnold was not as smart as he thought he was, and in the end... He sacrificed the honor that he had been so obsessed with. And we just know that he is currently burning in hell and telling Satan himself how mistreated he really is. End of story. Woo! Did it. No one thought we could do it. No one's done it. No one's ever dared fucking do it. But we told the story of Benedict Arnold. But uh, you're probably like, man, I feel like there's little piece of this story missing. There's actually four pieces missing, which we have reserved for this moment, which we call the Fast Facts. Fast Fact number one. One of the men who relayed news of Ticonderoga's capture was Colonel James Easton, who rode back to Massachusetts to spread the word about how great he was, and he didn't mention Arnold at all. When he returned, Benedict Arnold punched him in the face and challenged him to a duel. Easton refused. Still unsatisfied, Arnold then sent a letter to the New York Journal under the pen name Veritas, in which he said how awesome Benedict Arnold was and how he had kicked James Easton's cowardly ass. Fast fact number two. The method the Americans used to retreat from Montreal was a massive river crossing in small boats. When he arrived, Arnold shot his horse, casually tossed his saddle and guns into his boat, and ordered his aide, Captain James Wilkinson, to get in. He then personally shoved the boat into the river and climbed in from the water. 
Even Wilkinson saw that Arnold was a massive drama queen when he said the whole scene was, quote, indulging the vanity of being the last man who embarked from the shores of the enemy, end quote. Fast fact number three. In June of 1780, Washington gave Arnold a pamphlet informing French occupants of Canada that the French army was coming and an invasion of Quebec was imminent. Washington asked Arnold to give it to a trusted printer in Philadelphia so that it could be distributed. Of course, Arnold immediately gave it to the British. Turns out, all the information was false, and Washington had hoped it would fall into the hands of the Brits to fake them out. But even when his plan worked as he had hoped, Washington had no idea that it was Arnold who had betrayed him. Fast Fact Number 4 In August 1780, General Horatio Gates lost a major battle in Camden, South Carolina, largely... Oh my god! <laughs> Where'd the honey come from? (laughs) (laughs) Largely due to his own incompetence. When Benedict Arnold found out, he wrote a letter to Nathaniel Green gloating and saying that Gates had ruined his reputation with, quote, indelible infamy, end quote. While this was happening, Arnold was actively attempting to betray his country, and the irony of mocking someone for becoming infamous was entirely lost on him. Projection 101. All right, that does it. We thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something. If you did enjoy it, be sure to check us out on 100proofhistory.com. There you'll find bios on us and, most importantly, a link to our Patreon, where just $3 a month gets you old episodes, mini episodes, and two-day early access to new episodes. It's a whole lot of stuff, just $3. You can also find us on social media at 100 proof history, mostly the Instagram. Twitter is just a hellscape right now. We're avoiding it like the plague. We thank you for listening. Myself, Wolf Dick, I guess, who's been just sabotaging me for like four straight fucking weeks. Hambone, who didn't make an appearance. Dan Dan, the intro man, who barely made an appearance. Again, thank you. Greg, main host, mustachioed mystery man host. What else? Everyone, um, it's my responsibility each week to lead us out, and I'm supposed to have something to say. And as you can probably tell, I almost never do, and I have to off-the-cuff it, so to speak. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. One thing that happened to me when I was a kid is I went to the zoo. My Like, my dad took me to the zoo, and uh, we were watching the gorilla enclosure. And I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast before. It'd be weird if I had. But one gorilla was taking this fucking huge dump. And then, like, from the other side of the cage, this ultra... Like, you realize the athleticism when you see him do something Mm -hmm. with any sort of sense of urgency. This other gorilla just fucking started, like, (laughs) on its hands and, and, and legs, just, like, rushing as fast as it could. And this dump is fucking, at this point, midair. And the gorilla that was, like... It slides in and fucking grabs the turd before it hits the ground of the enclosure and then just starts munching on it. It was fucking disgusting and awesome. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll <laughs> see you guys soon. Oh, it was so Goodbye. long and I have to pee so bad. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> if you ever make an outline this long again, I'll kill you. Whatever. Soon, uh...
Text to the wife, see if she's okay. Smart. Get that on recording that way when she's you know, not missing for six weeks. Like, look, I was... It's on recording. <laughs> it's on text message recording. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna, I said, are you okay? And then before she responds, we'll be like, what's for dinner? <laughs> Goddamn leg lamp. So sick of this podcast. <laughs> Captain John Andre had been born in relative obscurity, but had gained a uh, I'm Chris. But had gained a reputation as being likable and intelligent. Uh, I'm Chris. Oh, I'm Chris. He also did I say that at dinner, by the way. <laughs> when you I'm Chris. I'm Chris. I especially do it at Ruth Chris Steakhouse. You don't go there. I'm Ruth Chris. No. Not a big steak guy. I love steak. Every, every dude does. I'm just, I'd, I would rather have a really, a really good cheeseburger. Mm. I love good thin patted cheeseburger with multiple patties. Now, if I go somewhere nice and they have a bone in pork chop, I might get that instead of the steak. Oh, pork chop, dude? Oh, if you get a good bone in pork chop, it's like amazing. You know what? I don't like the gatekeeping here. No, you're just like I'm. Like, yeah, dude, I'm never nutted from head. No, well, you just never had good head. <laughs> it's just not my thing. I want that poo poo. <laughs> the poo poo stands for pussies. <laughs> that clear. <laughs> I want the poo poo. <laughs> like even. Gay guys, when you said, I want the poo-poo, you're like, oh, gross, what's wrong with you? Why would you say it like that? Uh, anyway, cheeseburger, though. Mm. It's so good. I love cheeseburger. I'm Chris. I'm Chris. I'm Chris. I reread it today. <laughs> now who's stupid? <laughs> Me? Both of us? If Judge Judy's a Jew, you can consider me an anti-Semite. Jude. That's okay. Where am I? Oh. Arnold didn't book it. I'm Chris. He wasn't able to do much for him throughout. I'm Chris. Your marauders come to rape and eat our kids. Yeah. They already are, am I right? That's why I voted Republican. I just said that. I just said that. Oh, dear. Sorry. Sorry. Shit. Sorry. It's okay. I'm Chris. Yeah, that's good. Honestly, it's inconsequential to the story. Really? Yeah. Because you're not, like, you're not actually, like, painting a picture of there being anxiety about, like, where the fuck is this dude and all that. You know what I mean? Yeah, running out of time. Yeah. Running out of space. Oh, no. No, I... It's not your fault for not putting that other shit in there. It's your fault for putting this in there. <laughs> Burp, Chris. Right. Touch the tip of your dick. Uh, I'm Chris. Amazon keeps fucking brightening my phone, telling me how far away my package is. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Sorry, listener. It didn't help Arnold that he loved to live like the... L- oh, my God. There's so many L's.